Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We're lawyers, mothers, and co-hosts of the bipartisan podcast Pantsuit Politics. We have more in common than divides us. In a world that defaults to false dichotomies, we explore the messiness of living wisely. The choices, trade-offs, priorities, and grace of living a nuanced life. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Nuanced Life. Today's episode we are calling Celebrating Life As It Is, which I just need to take a minute with because I think that's a helpful framework for this strange time that we find ourselves living in. So we're going to share an advice question about a couple that wants to mark time together without getting married. And we're going to do two commemorations about how people are celebrating their lives as they are. But first, I'm going to just talk a little bit about what it's like to live in this sort of lockdown in our homes place. We wanted to start that conversation by sharing just a really beautiful reflection by Shawin. Lockdown. Yes, there is fear. Yes, there is isolation. Yes, there is panic buying. Yes, there is sickness. Yes, there is even death. But they say that in Wuhan, after so many years of noise, you can hear the birds again. They say that after just a few weeks of quiet, the sky is no longer thick with fumes, but blue and gray and clear. They say that in the streets of Assisi, people are seeing to each other across the empty squares, keeping their windows open so that those who are alone may hear the sounds of family around them. They say that a hotel in the west of Ireland is offering free meals and delivery to the housebound. Today, a young woman I know is busy spreading flyers with her number through the neighborhood so that the elders may have someone to call on. Today, churches, synagogues, mosques, and temples are preparing to welcome and shelter the homeless, the sick, the weary. All over the world, people are slowing down and reflecting. All over the world, people are looking at their neighbors in a new way. All over the world, people are waking up to a new reality, to how big we really are, to how little control we really have, to what really matters, to love. So we pray and we remember that, yes, there is fear, but there does not have to be hate. Yes, there is isolation, but there does not have to be loneliness. Yes, there is panic buying, but there does not have to be meanness. Yes, there is sickness, but there does not have to be a disease of the soul. Yes, there is even death, but there can always be a rebirth of love. Wake to the choices you make as to how to live now. Today, breathe. Listen behind the factory noise of your panic. The birds are singing again. The sky is clearing. Spring is coming, and we are always encompassed by love. Open the windows of your soul, and though you may not be able to touch across the empty square, sing. I feel a lot of that right now. And I was saying to my friends, Cindy and Shannon, the other day, I think that it's possible that we have historically been so much more invested in faith than we tend to be now because nature has historically been more important to us than it is right now. 
And now that the kind of weather we have outside matters to me more than it has in my life, because that ability to just be out of the house and to get my kids outside and for us to all move and experience something that feels lively and not scary is so critical. Uh, It does make me think about my entire life and spirit in a different and new way. It's almost, I would almost call it a revival. And it's hard to think about that when you are also contemplating thousands of people dying every day. And especially hard to think about that when you consider how many of those thousands of deaths could have been prevented by better planning and preparation, by different priorities that we could have all expressed as a culture and as communities and as a nation. And at the same time, I feel called to attend that revival in its own way. For me, in a weird way, this crisis that has affected the entire planet has me thinking about how I feel entitled to the entire planet, how this (laughs) beautiful gift that is the internet that allows me to do this work, that allows us to all stay connected during this incredibly difficult time in ways that really matter has sort of taught me that I have the ability and the right to go anywhere in the world, experience any food, any product, any convenience. And it should just be right here. And then I haven't really thought about, you know, the the paradox of that, that I'm not really, we're not really supposed to live day to day global lives. I just don't think that's really what we're designed for. And I say that on a podcast, it's going to go out across the globe. Like I realize the, kind of weirdness of that. I feel like we right now in this moment are really leaning into the good parts of the connectivity of the internet and of technology and realizing that the, the you know, sort of globalization of our supply chain and our the way we use our resources is not necessary because we're clearly living without it right now. And that maybe we've sort of leaned into that and not the the connect like just the spiritual connectivity of the internet to the neglect of nature and our time outside and our and our um, awareness of our little lives inside our homes and right outside our doors. It's just like it feels like such a paradox that this global moment has me like shrinking down my day to day life and thinking through that and but also leaning into the connectivity of the internet and how I can connect to people far away. It's just, it's, it's a lot to process. It's a lot to process. I also think it is important to know that the internet is still kind of a a novel, like piece of our lives. And that a lot of what disconnected us from nature predates the internet, right? It is the way that we work. It is the fact that so many of us commute a long distance to work every day. Mm-hmm. It is the fact that we expect our work days to be longer and longer and our school days to match that length of the work day. It is that sense of entitlement that whatever I want to eat, no matter what time of year it is, should be available to me, that I should be able to go on vacation wherever I'd like to. I mean, many of those attitudes predate the internet 
And I think the internet is just a multiplier of everything that goes on culturally. And so where there are some beautiful things happening in our culture, as people try to be more connected to one another, you see some of that amplified by the internet. But I don't want to blame the internet for all the things that I think, or even a good percentage of the things that I think are being exposed as problems by this pandemic. Because where the internet continues to amplify those problems, it is because we, I think, we we brought that pre-internet orientation to work to the internet as well. So it's like, I can't just scroll a little, I've got to scroll a lot. And I can't to turn my email off at the end of my workday. I need to be responsive long after it ends and before it begins again. I think I'm talking less about work than I am consumption. It's like, yeah, we were consumers before the internet, but our consumption was limited to, you know, what we could get our, our hands on for the most part in our in our physical environment close by. You know, that grew and grew and grew, obviously, with global supply chains. But I think it's just this idea that I can see it in a social media feed filled with people who live different places than me, live different lives than me, have access to different things. But it doesn't matter because I can see it on this little screen I hold in my hand. And that means I should be able to hold it in my hand the next day or travel there without, you know, much logistical concerns or you know, consume it. It's like, it's just, I'm realizing how much, you know, I thought that I deserved that, that I was entitled to that, or just that that was the way to be, that that was (laughs) what it meant to be a human in 2020. And realizing that, that my life can shrink down dramatically and I'm still myself and I'm still happy and I'm still fulfilled and that these things that I thought were essential or deserved aren't. And I can get along just fine without them. Yeah, I think just this is probably reflective of our different personalities and experiences because I and I think the two things are related. But I think my shift in understanding of myself has been I have thought of myself as a producer, you know, um, of someone who should be very productive every single day and very productive in ways that lead to compensation, which ultimately leads to consumption. And so I think that's the link that I see. But coming back into, well, I can't meet that person for lunch today and offer them some advice or perspective. And I I can't sit down and do seven hours of communications with people or planning for our podcast or anything else because these little folks need me. And also, I've got to cook three meals today and keep our house running. And and that's work, too. But it's a totally different kind of work than the work I've always found my identity in. And so I think the big lesson for me in all of this is like just being is harder than it sounds like it should be, and that there are so many lessons in just being. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ember Wave is the first bracelet that helps you feel colder and warmer at the press of a button. Ember Lab's mission is to bring thermal wellness to the world. They're passionate about using temperature to help every person feel better physically and emotionally. Temperature is personal. Everyone's idea of comfortable is unique. Most public places heat or cool spaces aiming for a temperature that is comfortable for only 80% of the population, leaving many people thermally underserved. Not feeling thermally comfortable can contribute to lost productivity, increased stress levels, and can be mentally exhausting. Ember Wave is there when you need relief most. All you do is press to activate Ember Wave to create a cool or warm sensation on your wrist. This sensation works with your body and mind to make you feel more comfortable in a matter of minutes. Ember Wave provides comfort in unpredictable climates, relief from stress, and support for sleep. I really love turning the heat on my Ember Wave when I'm ready to fall asleep, and there's a fall asleep mode where it gives you these little gentle waves of warmth. I think it's over 45 minutes as you're falling asleep. It's lovely. To receive $50 off your order, head to emberwave.com slash life. Again, that's Ember, E-M-B-R, wave, W-A-V-E dot com slash life to receive $50 off your order. We got a really lovely question from Leah. Leah is 35 and has been with her same-sex partner for several years, and she knows marriage is legal. But they don't really want to get married or have a wedding. And they feel a desire to mark the relationship because especially after coming out and going through this process and it was really hard and stressful. uh, She didn't date for years and she thought she'd be single. So she's sort of come to this place and she's really excited to be in a committed relationship. And she wants to mark how special this feels, but she doesn't want to have a wedding. And our culture doesn't give a lot of options. For that, And so she is asking us for ideas about how to commemorate a committed relationship without a wedding. And she and her partner have considered exchanging rings alone or exchanging rings and sending an announcement. And all of that feels uncomfortable to them. Her partner really doesn't want anything resembling a wedding, doesn't want to ask people to travel to her or or have like a big party where she feels like they're the center of attention. They don't want to hurt people's feelings by doing something that feels like a wedding where there are all these expectations about being included. So they're being really sensitive to each other's needs and to the needs of their families. And it's leaving them a kind of a loss on how to honor their long-term committed partnership. So I like to commemorate big moments in life with what I would call memory keeping, um, inspired a lot by the work of Allie Edwards, who if you don't know who that is, you should definitely look at her website. She's fantastic. And she does all kinds of projects like Week in the Life and December Daily that I do every year just to mark the everyday life. But I think some of those tools would work really beautiful in this moment. So producing maybe or put producing is not the right word, putting together like a piece of art using your friends and family member or just each other or 
a book together using your family members or just each other. So like, you know, there's lots of really cool ideas around 40th birthdays. Like you send a letter and you ask, what's your favorite memory? Or there's, listen, there's lots of artwork ideas just around weddings, like especially showers. Can everybody bring a card with their best piece of advice? So like for my wedding showers, I had these little sheets that everybody filled out, um, which you could easily mail where, you know, they they do a little predictions, Um or now some of these are kind of heteronormative predictions I will give you, but it was um, 2003. So y'all can cut me a break. And um, but I, I think like mailing something to your friends and family to maybe send back and participate with or working together to create something you can hang on the wall and always think about um, how you um, sort of created this piece of art together to commemorate the the commitment you're making sounds like a good a good option. Yeah, I had some similar thoughts as I was considering this. I wonder what kind of interest you all have. Like, are you musicians? Are you artistic? Are you bakers? Are you readers? Like one idea I thought if you're both readers, maybe you, you know, find a bookshelf that you think is really special and ask people to send you books to kind mm-hmm. of represent all the people in your lives on this piece of furniture that's part of your new home or or maybe you write a song together or you make some kind of video or or a piece of art came to mind for me too just something where you bring your talents to bear um in however you're going to commemorate what's going on i i think a big party is a really hard way to celebrate for lots of people in our culture And it does feel like the path that we are forced to walk down, even if it's not something that we love. And so I would love to see more of us asking ourselves this question and and approaching it more uniquely from the perspective of what do we like to do together? My sister and her husband love to go kayaking and they bought kayaks together as a Christmas gift. I think it was two years ago now. And I remember thinking when they Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I did that like, gosh, this is this is really as special to me to watch for them as their wedding was. Because it's this big, significant purchase that celebrates this thing they love to do together. You know, this time they love to spend together. And, and it really is going to be like a lasting part of their marriage now. I just thought it was beautiful. And so I think there are lots of ways you could go about it. I like Sarah's idea of focusing on how do we record the memory. And I would just bring to it like, what is uniquely the two of you? Here's another option that is more, I mean, it would just be for you two. But my husband and I, when we got married, wrote our own vows. So, I mean, this doesn't have to be with rings exchange, you could just write it down. So we wrote our own vows. And then every year on our anniversary, we write a letter to each other in the vow album. And then we sort of take a page and just write what what we went through as a couple that year. Did we move? Did we have some babies? Uh, did, what vacations we went into? What challenges we had? And it's just like such a nice keepsake so that you're commemorating not just the start of the relationship, but, you know, the continuation of the relationship. This one 
final idea. When it's difficult to visit people we love, grandparents, siblings, nieces and nephews, a skylight frame is a beautiful way to stay in touch. It's a touchscreen photo frame where you can email photos to your loved ones. They appear in seconds and we can all feel a little more connected. In these difficult times, staying in touch with those we love seems more important than ever. And the easiest way to do it is with Skylight, a photo frame you can email photos to anytime from anywhere. It's a great way to feel close to those you love, even when you're separated. Multiple people can send photos to the same frame, so it's a great way to keep large networks of friends and families in touch, and it sets up effortlessly in under 60 seconds. Just plug in, use the touchscreen to connect your wireless network, and enjoy. Everyone in your family can just email photos to Mom Skylight, and they'll pop up in our home in seconds. It has a black frame, and it looks like a real photo frame and adds a beautiful touch to your home. They have a gorgeous 10-inch touchscreen and you can swipe through photos with your finger and even tap to thank the person who sent the photo. It is 100% satisfaction guaranteed and if you don't love your skylight, they'll offer you a full refund. Now, as a special offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a skylight frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter code LIFE. That's right, to get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter code LIFE. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com, promo code L-I-F-E. We have two commemorations to share today. The first is from Heather, and she says, My husband is a type 2 diabetic and has high blood sugar. We're sticking to a very low-carb diet during the enforced period of isolation for long-term health. It is hard as hell, but I'm giving myself a little applause for not rushing to potato chips and ice cream. We'll all come out on the other side, and healthy choices matter. And I love this little ditty of a commemoration, like because it is true. Comfort eating is a real instinct that so many of us have. And to know, even when it's really hard, that I'm going to put aside that choice so that I feel as good as I can feel in my body is a beautiful thing. Way to go, Heather and your husband. Well, I don't know about everybody else, but and I don't know if it's the it's the addition of a new job as homeschool teacher or what. And I guess I am just sitting less at my desk, but I'm and it's probably the stress. I'm hungry all the time. And I don't seem to be, it doesn't matter if I'm eating take five bars every night, which I am, because I just, I, th- I feel like I'm, my body is just like constantly burning energy. Do you feel like that or are you more tired? I'm more tired. I really don't want a lot to eat right now. It's been kind of weird. I feel like my appetite has dropped some and my desire for movement has increased significantly. Like I am wanting to do harder exercise than I've ever wanted to do because I just feel like I have got to get some stuff worked out of me. Um, So I'm kind of having the opposite instinct right now. But when I do crave something, it is usually something that is not a particularly healthy choice. So I'm trying to fight that too. Yeah, I agree. I have a little bit less appetite. So between the high energy, low appetite when I do want aforementioned take five bar I'm just partaking happily. A struggle that I feel around this whole thing, too, is that I, like many people out there, love to stress bake. And so I'm making all these things and then they're here. I don't really even want to eat them, but I've made them. And now what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. So I'm freezing some things, but some of it we're just eating because I don't want to be wasteful. I feel like 
baking, though, is such a nice way to like do something with my girls. It's a little bit of a creative outlet. It's fun. We can do some good math and science while we're doing it. And so I am I'm on the struggle bus a little bit with having lots of baked goods around. We also got a commemoration from Lisa, who is a therapist, and she specializes in trauma and substance abuse treatment. And Lisa is an Enneagram 5, which she says makes a lot of people think, is that really your job? Why are you doing that? But she really loves her work, and her commemoration is how her work is working on her, as well as the advice and support that she's able to provide to her clients. And she says that some of her clients have never had a healthy relationship. They don't know what boundaries are or how to communicate effectively or how to identify and express their feelings. And she says this feels foreign to her sometimes because she's a therapist. She thinks about these things all the time and she grew up in a really privileged situation. She, like you, Sarah, considers herself a child of Oprah. And so she's just learning a lot from the people she works with every day. She says, on my best days, I'm striking a balance between being my authentic self and my aspirational self. I'm modeling what I'm looking for in others, what I'm hoping that we could be like if we all approached each other in this way. I'm also trying to live out my calling as a follower of Jesus, modeling my approach to others after his. Of course, not every day looks like that, but I'm learning what it's like to show up and just try to be who you really want to be. It's meaningful and healing. I know it is for me, and I hope it is for those that sit with me in this work, too. I love this. I love the commemoration of something that feels a little fuzzy, but is just as important. Because it's not a hard stop or a hard event or um, something we can describe easily, but just the sense of like, I've grown. Can somebody, does everybody, can everybody see the fact that I'm like growing and learning? I think that's lovely. Part of what Lisa mentions is that it's so important in this work to just be present with people and Mm. to provide a non-judgmental atmosphere. I know that's what I so value from my therapist, that this is one person who I don't have any interest in making him, you know, love me or be impressed by me or feel supported by me. Like, I'm clear on the fact that this space is just for me to show up in all my stuff, and it's really comforting. And so I can imagine that ha- that being that space for other people in the context of therapy really does open up a, a lot of windows about who you are and what you care about and what you most want in life. Lisa's commemoration reminds me that for a brief period in college, I wanted to be a grief counselor and thought about changing my major and doing all the things to go down that path. And I ultimately decided not to pursue it because I was afraid that I wanted to be a grief counselor to work on my own grief, not to help other people. And if um, almost 40-year-old Beth could go back and have a chat with 19-year-old Beth about that, I would say, "Uh, that's a good reason. (laughs) It's just, (laughs) that's a totally fine, acceptable reason to do this. You know, I'm very happy with where my life is. It's not that I feel a bunch of regret about it. But I do think that What I was working through in college was this attitude that a lot of us have, which is like, well, if you're going to be the therapist, you have to be perfectly mentally healthy yourself all the time, Mm -hmm. right? And there is no room to work on you because you're the expert. And I certainly got even more of that built into me as I went to law school, where they tell you all the time, like, basically, you've got to be the the most perfect, smart, organized human being on the planet because you're going to be advising others all the time. And, you know, none of that's true. And so I think what's so lovely about Lisa being willing to share this commemoration in this public space, too, is reminding everybody, no, you 
every single relationship is mutual in some sense. The therapist gets worked on by the client. The pastor mm-hmm. gets worked on by the parishioner. The teacher gets worked on by the student, the doctor by the patient. It's always mutual in some sense. Do we want the opposite? Do we want a therapist that's never growing or changing or shifting in their belief systems? I mean, like, I, I don't want that. That doesn't right. sound awesome. No, it's a beautiful thing, right? It's 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 a great revelation. <laughs> yeah, totally. Good job, Lisa. You keep staying present and allowing the present moment to work on us, which I think is uh, where we're all at right now, <laughs> is allowing the present moment in which we are actually forced to sit in um, work on us. So hopefully we'll all have as great of realizations to commemorate as you do. Well, thank you to Leah, Lisa, and Heather for sharing your commemorations. Thank you to all of you for continuing to stay in touch with us. You can always share what's on your mind for this show at hello at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. We'll be back with you next Wednesday. We'll be on Pantsuit Politics on Friday and Tuesday between now and then. Keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces The Nuance Life. Elise Knapp is our managing director. The Nuance Life is listener supported. Go to patreon.com slash the nuance life. For $5 each month, you'll receive an entire bonus episode of The Nuance Life. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Dylan Garvin is the composer and performer of our ad music. For more information about The Nuance Life and to connect with us through our weekly email, visit pantsuitpoliticsshow.com.